Good morning, Crossroads. Great to see all of you here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Matt and Yvette, for welcoming us and for allowing us to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. I'm so excited to be here. My wife, Amy, is down here on the front row, and as again, uh, you heard at the beginning, Joshua and Jenna are here as well, and we bring you greetings from the Berg, Steelers country. Proud of it. So I got a few Steelers fans in the house. You do find them occasionally. So if you're not a Steelers fan, try not to hold that against me. We are here for family day. And so I acknowledge right out of the gate, if you're a guest and you came to a church, you expected to hear the regular communicator and you might be saying, oh man, please, please, please come back and hear Pastor Matt. I want to encourage you to do that. And uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to know he and his wife, uh, I've had that opportunity this weekend. It's been a wonderful opportunity. We share a great passion for a lot of the same things uh, in, in culture, but also, most importantly, a passion for Jesus and his word. And today it's my honor to be able to share with you from God's word. And we're going to be in a number of places in your scriptures. But if you want to look in your notes in the bulletins there, you'll find some notes. And I do want to welcome those of you who are watching online today as we get going here in this message. On family day, I thought it would be important for us to talk about the culture of family. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're kind of here today exploring faith in Christ, or maybe you're investigating somebody's brought you, you heard there was going to be great food. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that you'll continue to come and explore faith in Christ, because we actually believe that following Jesus will make our lives better, but he will also make us better at life. And so as we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, we recognize that that actually has an impact on the culture, not just of an individual's life, but the culture of the family. He has an impact on the culture of an organization in a corporate setting or in a business environment. And certainly, we follow him as the leader of a local church, and he impacts the culture of a local church. And so whether or not you find yourself a follower of Jesus, the things that we're going to talk about this morning, you may say, well, you know what, those really aren't for me because I'm not yet following him. I want to invite you to consider doing and implementing these ways of living, even if you're not yet a follower, because I truly believe that as you implement them, as you put them into your life, you put them into practice, you'll begin to see that life is better and it's a healthier life. It's a more fulfilling life at the end of the day. Now, also, you might be here on family day and you hear culture of family. Oh, man, I don't, I don't actually have a family. The truth is, is that you can put these things into practice with anyone, any relationship that you might find yourself in. So even if you don't have a full-fledged family, so to speak, uh, you can still be a part of the family here at Crossroads. And so I want to invite you to consider that as we walk through these texts today. And I want to begin by asking you this simple question. What is it that makes for a, for a great relationship, for a, a successful relationship? Whether that's a marriage, a relationship with your parents or your children, a relationship in the workplace, what is it that makes for a great successful relationship? And you could think a lot about a lot of different things that might be involved in that. I'm really grateful today as I'm here, excuse me, uh, of the relationship that we share with Josh and Corey. Uh, as Pastor Matt mentioned, 
Uh, Josh and I and Corey and my wife and our families have been friends for many, many years. In fact, they were back after they'd been here for a while, and we stopped at a great restaurant there locally, G&G. If you ever come to the Berg, we will make sure you get to this place. Uh, They were some of the ones that introduced us to this place, but we have found a tremendous relationship there with them. And you think about the best relationships in your life out of all the things that you might have thought of when you thought of what is it that makes for a successful relationship, I would summarize all of that in one word. That word is simply selflessness. That if every day you will be selfless, and it goes against the grain of our culture, it goes against the hard wiring of who we are, we are by nature selfish people, are we not? I'm glad you guys will talk back to me. That's awesome. If you're online, feel free to play along, talk back with me as well. Don't talk back to me, just talk back with me or engage with me. So, selflessness is a huge piece of that. And the culture of family is very unique, and it's very diverse, and it's very tangled at times. In fact, if you think about the cultural DNA, what are the strands of DNA that make up family? Whether that's the family you have in your home or the family in a church or a family that you might consider at your workplace, what, is, what are the DNA strands that make up a family? And I would submit to you that some of them are things like love, service. I would submit to you things like acceptance and forgiveness, truth and trust. And today, we're going to look at two strands that I think form a tremendous bedrock of a healthy culture in terms of family. All of those things do. But the challenge is, with any relationship, don't they get tangled up? Don't they get messed up along the way? It's difficult sometimes to develop and build a really, really healthy, God-honoring culture in family. But with God's help, with His Holy Spirit, I'm hoping that we can do that together today, that you can begin to think about and implement the stuff that we're going to talk about as it relates to what Scripture we're going to look at. These two relational strands that we're going to unpack today go right along with that love and service and acceptance and forgiveness and truth and trust and that selflessness, that overarching concept that permeates every cultural family. I want to give you two of them today, two more strands that I felt as I was praying, Lord, what would you want to say to Crossroads Fellowship in this season with the families that are represented here, with the individuals, with the relationships that you have in your life? What is the thing that the Holy Spirit wanted to say to you? The first one of these strands is the strand of value. Value. Can you say that with me? Value. What in the world is value? And what specifically does it mean to value others? The truth is, is that God has placed an infinite amount of value on your life and upon mine. And whether or not you actually believe that or not, it's true because God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were still his enemies, Christ, he sent Christ to die for us. The value that he has placed upon you is unlimited. And it's revealed in his decision to send his son to die in your place and in mine. And the Apostle Paul, a person who was completely transformed by this understanding that he was valued by God, 
in the person of Christ changed his life forever. He penned some amazing words when he wrote to a church in Philippi. And I want to invite you to stand because I value God's word. And I want to honor God's word today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I'm going to read these verses. You can follow along there in your notes or on the screen here as we're going to unpack exactly what does it mean to value others around us. Because again, it's something that insidiously tends to slip in every relationship. We'll talk about this. But look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Do nothing, he says, out of selfish ambition or you could say a competitive spirit. Don't do anything with a competitive spirit or vain conceit, rather in humility, help me out, value. In other words, you defer to them. When we talk about value, it means that we defer to other people. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships, here it is, in your relationships with one another, in other words, the culture of your world, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. In other words, he deferred to others. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is the ultimate display of value. God valued you and I so much that he sent his son, that that value took action, and it was motivated, motivated by a love for us, even while we were yet far from God, before we were even born. That is the picture of value, and God displays that beautifully for us. Now, I've got a warning for you, but before I do that, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to have a seat. But before you have a seat, I want you to share with the person next to you how old is the car that you're currently driving. Take a minute and do that. And you can have a seat. Okay, so, so is anyone driving a brand new car? Let me see your hands. Anybody at all? Yep, no one. Maybe, it, oh wait, somebody in the back. Maybe it's new to you. Now, how many of you, be honest, you're in church, don't lie before Almighty God. How many of you, if I were to go out into your car and look inside your car, it looks as pristine as the day that you first got it? Anybody's? Okay, we've got a few people that are anal retentive. They're very neat. OCD, that would be me, okay? Mine looks this, almost the same. It's got a few nicks and dings and bumps and bruises along the way. How many of you, you would be embarrassed if we took a camera out there and put it up on the web for everyone to see what looks the car? Yeah, see? Now, here's what happens. When we think about value, everything in life devalues over the course of time. Every single thing that you have. Think about your cell phone. If you're holding it right now and you're distracted by it, just take a look at it for a minute. Pull yourself away from the screen and look at it for just a moment. Some of you, 
you had that thing in a bumper the first day you got it. You had it in one of those otter boxes. You had it totally covered up, and it was protected. But here's what happens over the course of time. You naturally devalue things, and so that phone becomes less important. That car that you used to wash and wax and vacuum and take care of began to devalue over the course of time, and life gets busy. Stuff happens, and you get distracted, and pressures of life and the things that we just get consumed with begin to cause that thing. Even though you would say, yes, you know what? That car got me to church. It got me to work this week. But I actually, by the way that I treat that car, I don't value it internally like I used to. I give lip service to it, but the reality says I don't value it. And the challenge that we face in relationships and with every family is that without intentionality, we will devalue one another. And so you have to be intentional. I have to be intentional about investing in relationships in such a way that it keeps the value of another person in my life high. You have to make your friendships. You have to make your marriages. You have to make your children and your dating relationships a priority in order to keep that value continually high. It's going to take time. You're going to have to put dates on the calendar It's actually going to require you to schedule in and pay attention to people more than the stuff and the stress and the strain of this life. That's how you begin to keep the sense of value high. There was a day when that person that maybe you're dating now, or there was a day you've been married for a while, when you would see him or her, and he or she would walk into the room, and you would go, there he is, there she is. And the longer you're with someone... You don't even hardly notice them when they walk into a room because you have slowly but surely devalued them. You've got to do whatever you possibly can to keep the value of other people high, to keep that sense of awe high. So what is it? A homework assignment for you today would be what is it that you most value about and then put that person's name in there. The people that are closest to you, what is it that you value about them? And then communicate that value to them face-to-face, in a card, in a text, in an email, with a phone call. Whatever it is that you need to do to communicate value and worth to someone. Now, this is beyond just thanksgiving. Hey, thanks for the bologna sandwich is not expressing value. That's a gratitude and appreciation, and that's a great thing. But what we're looking for here is for you to be able to speak to the worth of a person. God has expressed his opinion of you in sending his son to die for you. And he is inviting us to do the same, to be selfless and express value and and gratitude toward other people. When I express value, for instance, if I were talking to Josh Beadle, I would say, Josh, I value our friendship. I value you because when I look at you, I see a man who is among the most humble of men that I have ever known. You are teachable. You are faithful. You love your wife well, and you have prioritized your relationship with Corey. See how that's different than just, hey, man, thanks for mowing the lawn. Hey, man, thanks for washing my car, for filling my tank, for mowing uh, or for uh, shoveling snow. You guys get snow here, right? Shoveling snow, we get it all the time in the burg. Uh, if I were to speak about my, the value of my wife, I would say, Amy, I am so glad. I'm so grateful. I appreciate so much your mercy, 
your compassion, your kindness, and your tenderness. Because when God was handing that stuff out, I was over in the chocolate line, and I missed the mercy and compassion side of things so many times. And you helped me to see things through a whole different set of lenses that otherwise I would completely miss. Do you see how this is different? This isn't gratitude and appreciation as much as it is the worth of a human. So if you want to keep the value high, you've got to be intentional. I challenge you this week, even today, as you're walking around and you're talking downstairs and you're having this family day as a church, to go around and talk to people and say, I value this about you. I value that about you. Because when you do that, you will keep the worth of a person very, very high. And that will impact the culture of your family. The second strand that I wanted to just really bring home to you today is the strand that's connected to value, and that is the strand of honor. Honor. What does it mean to honor someone? Well, the truth is, is that we honor what we value. Value and honor are linked together. When you value something highly, you show it great honor. And so that's why you start with value, because what you value what you, is what you honor. Honor means to respect or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. It carries with it in the scripture the idea of a, of a family heirloom. Any of you have anything that's just been passed down from generation to generation to generation? Maybe it's a dish or a bowl or a salt shaker or something like that or something else in the house. that you That's in a prime location. You show that honor because it's been handed down. That's the idea of what we're talking about here. On the flip side, a lack of honor means to dishonor. It means to treat as common or as ordinary. Now, in the definition of honor, it uses the word respect, but I want to bust that out because I believe they're actually two different things. In fact, I would submit to you that respect is earned and honor is given. Respect is earned. In other words, respect has that idea of admiration, and and you respect someone based on perhaps their work ethic or their actions or their ethics, and that is something that is earned. But honor is given. Honor can be demonstrated even when respect is not warranted. In fact, the Bible is a book. If you've never read your Bible, the Bible in a nutshell is a book about honor. It's about honoring God and His instruction. And the Ten Commandments, if you think about this, the Ten Commandments, the first four are warnings about honoring or dishonoring God, and the rest of them, the other six, are all warnings about dishonoring others. We need to understand that the law of honor flourishes at every season and in every environment. It elevates. If you will embrace this lifestyle of giving honor, even when respect, even when you may not respect this person, I'll give you some illustrations in just a moment. But you give this honor in your life, you're going to feel the compound experience because you reap what you sow. And it is the kingdom mindset, and it requires a selflessness to show honor toward others. Honor is the willingness. I love what Pastor Craig Groeschel says. Honor is the willingness to reward someone for their difference. It's not flattery. It's supposed to be genuine. It's supposed to be heartfelt. And I'll give you some examples of this. For the last eight years, Barack Obama was our president. What happened every single time he walked by someone in the military? What did they do when he walked by? They saluted him. Now, 
Whether you're a fan of Barack Obama or not, now it's Donald Trump. When Donald Trump walks by people, the same thing occurs. Are they saluting the man, Barack, or the man, Donald? Or are they saluting the office of the president? The office. They are saluting and showing honor. Even if they don't necessarily respect that person, they're showing honor to the office of president. And God has placed the people in your life, your husband, your wife, your, your parents, your children, your co-workers, your boss, your pastors, your leaders, one another. He's placed people in your life who fulfill the office of fill in the blank, and you are to show respect and honor to that office. Even when they don't always act respectable, you still do this. Now, I'll give you an example of this from my childhood. How many of you ever saw the Flintstones? Let me see your hands. Flintstones, you know the cartoon? Yep, taking myself back just a bit. Every episode of the Flintstones, you'd see this in the beginning or the ending credits. When Fred Flintstone comes home from work, Dino, do you remember Dino? Dino comes running out and just rams right into him and knocks him down. And Fred's like, no, 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 bam. Every single time there's an enthusiasm. Dino never knows a dishonoring day. He's just thrilled to have Fred come home. What if, I'm not suggesting that you go around and knock people over and lick them. That would probably get you into all kinds of trouble. But I am suggesting that you show honor to people around you. Now, that happens in our household. When my children were young and I would pull up, They would always come outside and run down the steps and, Daddy, 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 we're so glad you're home. We're so glad you're home. And I knew at 5 and 6 and 7, 13's coming, and I will have to go find them. Guess what? I got an 18-year-old and a 15, almost getting up close to 16-year-old, and they're not running down the steps screaming, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. But you want to know who is in my house? It's not my wife. It's my dogs. (laughs) We got Rusty right here, and we got Lily right here, and it doesn't matter. They will show honor every single time. They will run out that door, and they will be so excited to see us, any of us, when we get home. The Scriptures lay out a whole bunch of people, broad categories, that we are called to honor. And I want to walk you through those, and then we're going to land the plane today. Several people that God has called us to honor in your notes. Number one, first and foremost, is our Heavenly Father. We are called to honor our Heavenly Father. And the underlying reason that our culture is dishonoring to others is because they do not fear and honor God. Again, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to begin to talk to God about how to live in such a way and just see if He's real. See if He begins to reveal Himself to you that He might show Himself a God who values you and who likewise honors you as you might begin to think about honoring Him. And the truth is, is that it's been this way for all of history. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, all the way back, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus would come on the scene, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and here's what He has to say. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God does not want just lip service. He wants our hearts, and we honor Him from the heart. And so I want to challenge you to begin to implement a very simple yet life-altering, destiny-determining question, to begin to consider this question in your own life. It's simply this. Every day, 
would you begin the day and throughout the day whisper, God, what would be most honoring to you? In this interaction, in this conversation, when I go into this classroom, when I click on this spot on the computer, when I go into that store, when I experience this or that or the other, what God might be most honoring to you? I believe that's the way that Jesus lived and modeled and taught us to live. And so when we live with a question in our minds, God, what would be most honoring to you? I believe that Jesus will get glory as he lives through us because he always did what was always honoring to his heavenly Father, and he will live through us in such a way that we will live as one who honors our heavenly Father. And at the end of your life, if you will live this way, I believe with all of my heart that you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You honored me with your life. Secondarily, we're to honor our parents. You knew that was coming. Our spouse, grandparents, and in general, the elderly. Again, think about the office of husband, office of wife in our lives, office of grandparent. The scriptures say there, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, honor your father and mother. Why? So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor marriage, Hebrews 13, and guard the sacredness of intimacy, sexual intimacy between wife and husband. In the same way, Peter continues, who was married, by the way. We know that Cephas was married, one of the first followers of Jesus. He writes, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. And then I love what it says in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32. Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God I am the Lord. Now, at the risk of offending and alienating some of you in the room, we're going to apply this. And you may never ask me to come back, and that'll be okay. I'll miss you. But I had to pick an age to apply this. And I picked the age of 60. And if you're 60 and you don't feel aged or elderly, I get that. I'm 45, and it seems a lot closer now than it did when I was 20. But I'm going to invite you, if you are 60 or older, to remain seated. And for those of you who are under the age of 60, would you stand and let's show some resounding honor to those in the room who are beyond the age of 60. done. You may have a seat. So we're called to honor our Heavenly Father. We're called to honor our parents and grandparents and those that are older, our spouses. Number three, those in authority. Again, these first followers of Jesus, you got to know they're living under the Roman oppression and everything within them wanted to kick back, but Jesus taught them a different way. He said, no, even when those Roman leaders, even when your Jewish leaders 
are not worthy of respect, you still show them honor. Look at what Peter and look at what Paul write in these next two texts. Show respect for all people. Love the brothers and sisters of God's family. Respect God. Honor the king. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And if you're not yet convinced, if you're saying, oh, I'm so glad that he didn't cover this person or that person or this group or, or that group, number four, you honor everyone you can. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So what is a way, practically speaking, if you go to someone and say, this is what I value about you, here is your worth to me, and you keep that value high when you also keep the value of honor high in your home, what, what, what impact will that have? What's a way that you can show honor to others? This is where the Holy Spirit has to help you apply. But I want to tell you in conclusion one story that I had no idea what I was seeing all my years of growing up. My father and mother were United Methodist pastors, and I grew up in that environment, and I had no idea that every day of my life I was seeing value and I was seeing honor displayed until I left home, until I was in college and actually I was getting married. Then it hit me. The culture of family must have value and must have honor. And every day of my life, these are my parents, Larry and Leona Kennard. They were married for nearly 50 years. My mother went to be with Jesus about five years ago. This is them just a few, just a couple of years before she went to be with the Lord. But every day of my life, as I was watching them grow up, we, we lived in the the more of an older traditional kind of a way of living where mom stayed at home. She was a registered nurse, but she retired from that when I was born and my sister came along and she wanted to be at home with us. And so every day my dad would go to the office and it didn't matter where dad was when he got ready to leave, didn't matter how behind or ahead of his schedule he was, he would go to my mother in the house and he would find her. She could be in bed, she could be in the kitchen, she could be on the back porch, she could be doing laundry. It didn't matter where she was and what she was doing. He would go to her and he would tell her that he loved her. He would hug her, he would kiss her, and then he would leave. And every day, thousands and thousands and thousands of times over the years, he would come home. And it didn't matter where my mother was. It didn't matter what she was doing. She could be taking a nap. She could be laying down on the couch. She could be watching TV. She could be in the kitchen. She could be in the backyard. She could be in the garage. She could be in the bathroom. It didn't matter where she was and what she was doing. She would get up and she would greet my father at the door. Not because he demanded it. Not because he required it. Not because he was always worthy of it. But because as he had shown her honor, she wanted to show him honor. And they would greet at the door. And it used to just gross me out. They'd have this little cooey, ooey, gooey moment. And the door would open and he would, she would be standing there. And they would kiss and they would hug. And they would just quiet little whispers to each other. But knowing how secure I was in their relationship was the greatest gift they could have ever given me. And when you live like this, when the value is high and the honor is high, it will have a tremendous impact on the culture of your family. So what is the culture 
of your family. Is it value? Is it honoring? If it's not, today's the day to begin to change that. If you're an adult, how did you see these cultural DNA markers modeled while you were growing up? Married couples, dating couples, it's time to evaluate your relationship. Singles, if you are single here and you're looking into a relationship and you'd like to have a relationship with someone else, you better find someone that values you and shows you honor. Do not settle for less. Parents, how would you want your kids to answer the questions that I've asked today? How would you want them, when they get ready to get married, would you want them to see a home where the value is high and the honor is high? Students, teenagers that are here in the room, children that are in the room, how are you seeing this modeled for you right in front of your eyes right now in this season? Are you seeing these things modeled? How do you know that the people who are responsible for you, parents, aunts and uncles, gramps, gr- grandpa and grandma, whoever it might be, how do you know that there is value? How do you see that there is honor in your relationships? How are you seeing love and service and truth and trust and acceptance and forgiveness modeled in front of you? You see, those are the things, though they may be tangled up and though they may be a mess at times, those are the things that make for a great family culture. For all of us, my challenge is for us to determine to implement these into our lives so that we will be like our Heavenly Father, so that we will be like our our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, so that the Holy Spirit can live in us and through us. You see, the Trinity models all of these perfectly and invites us to embrace them. Would you bow your hearts with me? I want to pray for you. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for relating to us in all of these ways. You offer us perfect love, humble service, unconditional acceptance, radical, radical forgiveness, absolute truth, consistent trust. And Lord, today we're most grateful for the infinite value and the undeserved honor you have shown us. Lord, you modeled all of these DNA markers flawlessly. And you have sent your Holy Spirit to live within us, to help us form relationships and marriages and families and a church that embraces and celebrates these virtues. Lord, would you help us to intentionally put them on daily and clothe ourselves with them so that when the trials So that when the difficulties of this life come our way, we're prepared to weather the storms. It's in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I pray.